Welcome to In the Booth, a Frederick News Post podcast exploring the 2016 races to represent Frederick County. This has been an election year like no other, both around the county and around the country. Here, we'll explore issues important to Frederick County voters, from third-party candidates to overcrowded roads and classrooms to presidential politics. I'm Jeremy Bauerwolf, here with my co-host, city editor Andy Schatz. Hello. And we are in the booth. Glad Hill Furniture is the only place you need to visit. Save big by taking half off all leather furniture store-wide. And this month, you can also take advantage of 24 months 0% financing. Stop by and visit one of our expert design consultants and get luxury for less. Joy Schaefer is the only incumbent running for the Frederick County Board of Education. She's a former president of the board and has served since 2012. As an incumbent, she enjoys a distinct advantage and was the top vote-getter in the April primary election. Schaefer, who lives outside Frederick City, stresses her experience on the board and prioritizes competitive pay for teachers. She's involved with the Maryland Association of Boards of Education and was also the legislative liaison on the school board, keeping the members updated on new state and federal laws. On In the Booth, we talked to her about why she wants to continue with a second term. So... Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Very happy much. to be here. Thanks Appreciate for having it. me. Absolutely. Tell me a little bit about why you decided to run for a second term. Well, uh, folks don't know this. You know, we're on television. People watch our meetings. And I think you think you understand what the job of, of a board member is and what the role of the board is. Um, and coming from PTA Council, which uh, gave me a, um opportunity to volunteer at the system-wide level, where I was going into other schools besides my own kids' schools and volunteering um, on central uh, projects and initiatives. I also um, was tasked as part of PTA Council to be the liaison to the board, meaning I watched all the board meetings, I kept touch with what they were talking about on their agenda, I reported back to PTA Council so we could figure out what we wanted to advocate for. Um, so I was a uh, very regular board watcher. I would say I was very educated about being on the board, uh, but it's very different sitting on the dais, and your responsibilities are much different than what you see from the audience and from TV. Um, and so I would say that it took me a year to fully learn my job, um, and then the next three years I spent making a lot of great contacts and building relationships Um, not just with my fellow board members, people in the system, but also county leadership, uh, state leadership, uh, that I feel um, I have to leverage that now in a second term to bring that back to, to continue to bring those benefits back to Frederick County and to bring that experience back. Um, There are things, you know, board work is not fast. All seven of you have to uh, deliberate and degree and vote. So changes are not fast, nor should they be. Policy is hard work, and good policies should be done deliberately and slowly. So I think it takes two terms to really um, know what realistically what your goals are and then to work st- toward them. Do you think that Frederick County students are tested too much? And if so, how would you change that? Well, I think there's a confusion about uh, – who does the testing and why we do them. So across the country, we are federally, all schools, all public schools are federally mandated to test once in third grade um, for language, arts, and math, Um, not just third grade, third grade through uh, eighth grade, once every year in those two subjects, and then again in high school. 
um, for language arts and math, and then we have some other um, state requirements as well. So that's not necessarily, that's a state and federal requirement. And then we also have our system-wide um, assessments that we do as a county. So I would say the federal testing, I think, is, is more than we need. Um, the, the intent behind the federal testing was to make sure that schools were doing a good job in every school, and we were uh, doing a good job by every single student. Um, to take a snapshot of how schools are doing across the nation, I don't think we need to test uh, those subjects every single year in a student's career. I think we can take some snapshots, um, maybe a few students in a few schools in every district, um, and maybe not every, certainly not every year. Um, in terms of the tests that we take that are uh, county-developed, um, the ones that we have right now, I think, are necessary, but our board is always looking at uh, our assessments program and making sure those are relevant, not just for instruction and making sure that we're providing students what they need, but that they're relevant to our students. I, I want to make the point that assessments and testing um, isn't just a tool that we use to see where, we at with, where we're at with student instruction. It also should be, a good assessment should be a tool for students um, because they have to be active in their own education, set goals for themselves. So it's something that they can set for themselves as a goal. Um, it's also a good assessment is something that is not rote memory. It should be taking what you learn and showing us that you can apply that learning to a problem maybe that you've never seen before um, or in a way that is uh, different from what you've done in the classroom so that we are sure that you have a full understanding of what the knowledge that you've gained in the classroom and that you're able to take that knowledge and apply it in the real world. And the, the board has now taken a position on the question of opt-out and refusal. Can you talk about your position on, on those two particular ways of uh, not taking tests? Well, uh, first and foremost, let me say that, you know, I took an oath of office to uphold the laws of the state of Maryland. Uh, and uh, the law of the state of Maryland is that every student shall be tested. Um, and that the, um, the regulations uh, that come from the state board have the rule and force of law. So when they say, and that's it's a federal law, actually, that they have to be tested every year in the subjects that I mentioned, um, in the years that I mentioned. So uh, we have to follow the rule of law. Um, as the State Board has told us, and I agree with, uh, while we um, administer those tests to all of our students, um, we understand that students or their parents um, may refuse to take them. Uh, so the policy that we put in place is to ensure that we are as um, uh, consistent as possible in terms of, of treating those students uh, that opt out of that exam uh, the same way we would treat test takers, and then also to be consistent in what we communicate to parents and what they would expect from that process. So the initial iteration of this policy came out much earlier this year, and I believe you were on the fence about a couple pieces of it. Could you speak a little bit to that, and why were you able to vote for this policy recently? Well, my biggest concern is, uh, first of all, it is, it is the federal law. Uh, secondly, I am not opposed. I think assessments have a very specific role and are useful to not just students and families, teachers and instruction, but when you take it to the policymaking level, whether you're at the county level or the state level or the federal level, you want to make sure that um, 
students across the board, wherever they live, doesn't matter where they live, are getting quality instruction and learning what they need to learn in order to be successful. And especially when you get to the national conversation, uh, you hear a lot of talk about uh, it's a national security issue in terms of being competitive, in terms of making sure that the next generation of kids uh, has the ability to um, uh, fulfill what we uh, uh, value in this country, which is to be happy, pursue happiness, uh, live in prosperity, um, and education is the, the key to that. Um, I think the federal legislatures decided that the best way to ensure that for all students was this assessment program. So um, I think it definitely has a role. Uh, can we work in the next iteration of the new of the federal law to maybe roll that back? I would hope so, and I would love to do that. Um, but I think it's important that we know, especially on the policy level, that all our schools, from an equity perspective, are meeting the needs of of our students, and that they're doing it in a way that allows them to be successful for the future. Um, but again, I also say that uh, we should have we should make sure that those assessments are relative are relevant to students as well because um, they should get just as much out of taking an assessment. I, I don't like looking at assessments as a separate thing in, uh, unto itself. I like to look at it as part of the instructional program. Um, so what I was afraid of with the policy at the beginning was that we were encouraging students and parents to opt out, that we hadn't done enough to communicate about what the role of the, the state and federal assessments were um, and what the importance and relevance uh, of them to their families were, and so people would be opting out because they didn't understand the relevance of that test. And then in the end, we might be hurting students because we weren't going to know where the gaps were system-wide. Um, so I think we came up with the policy that um, allows for uh, a student or a parent opting out on behalf of that student, uh, but that doesn't cross the line into um, encouraging that or advocating that that would be the way to go for parents and students. Are there any programs or priorities that you think are missing from the school budget or underrepresented? And is there anything that you think needs to be cut? Um, well, I would say that we are struggling right now because our staffing levels do not allow us to more personalized learning for students. And there have been a lot of um, opportunities outside of the classroom that have had to be scaled back or cut because uh, there's just a not, not enough staff and, uh, and or the workload has gotten so much for the staff that's already in place that um, no one can take on something extra. And the thing that makes learning the most powerful and that amplifies learning in the classroom is real world uh, opportunities for kids and making sure that they have the ability to see what they, the academic piece that they're learning, what that has to do and how that's connected with things that they're gonna do every day, um, right now as a student and later on as an adult. Um, so I feel that our deficit is really about hands-on, real-world opportunities to get out of the classroom um, and to have folks come into the classroom that aren't always there um, so they kind of understand the bigger universe and how you know the math problem that they're learning could be um, um, practically applied to all kinds of things um, once they get out of school. And so to be able to give them the ability to see farther than, you know, the end of the year and when summer starts and um, and to keep them engaged in school so that they stay in all the way. We have a great graduation rate um, in Frederick County. 
Um, but uh, I think there's always room for improvement. I, I just think the staffing issue and some, some ability for us to have some um, extra outside programs. I think also our, our Career Technology Center um, has a long waiting list of, of kids. I think the programs there could be uh, expanded. And I think um, it goes beyond the old uh, idea that it was first um, centered around, which is sort of vocational training. There are lots and lots of opportunities um, for kids wherever they're headed to, whether it's to the workplace right out of high school, to the military, or into a four-year college institution. There's lots of opportunities at our our current technology center to uh, enhance what they get at their home school. We just don't have the funds to to do that. Also, our special education um, area, I would say that we don't have enough um, we don't have a, 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 enough of a variety of programs. We're seeing um, more and more kids identified um, for, let's say, autism. Uh, that's a broad spectrum of kids. And um, just like every kid, uh, whether they have a special need or not, they're all unique. Um, and the, the interventions and the services they need are definitely um, very varied, and we're just unable to keep up with that. Uh, demand for those kinds of varied programs and offerings. So has the board done enough to look at the budget from a more bird's eye creative standpoint? It was brought up recently that you're spending around $8 million in about out-of-county placements for students, students who have very specific needs that can't be handled Mm -hmm. in-county. Should there be a long-term plan to address something like that could bring money back to the school system and also address some of the special needs that you were referencing? Well, part of the, a part of the thing that we've been doing in, in recent years has been to really focus on identifying students as early as possible for intervention and special education services so that we, the hope is, is the earlier that we identify them, the better their outcomes are um, and the sooner they're, they're able to exit from a special education intervention or program. Um, and that would, that would, in the long term of that student's uh, educational career here with us, would save us um, services at, in their out years and, and therefore some, some dollars that way. And we've been very proactive in that. We also have talked about um, uh, a lot of our outplacement and how much money that costs. And could there be a regional center? Could we be that regional center where then people would come to us? Uh, there are a lot of legalities around that. Um, and uh, that's a much longer-term um, discussion, but it's something that we have we have talked about as a board, and we're definitely interested in doing. I guess where does that discussion start then? You know, when you, you have some of these long-term plans that are complex, do require a lot of thought, but when does the, the ball get rolling, so to speak? Um, well, in terms of ed- any uh, item that we discuss on the board, it begins with a board member themselves putting up a um, agenda item and getting support for that agenda item and then having a discussion about that. Um, for our board, we uh, I, I think something like that should start around an informational session where we talk about um, what are the needs and what's out there already in the state of Maryland and what might be some of the challenges in bringing that kind of a program um, or facility uh, to Frederick County or even Washington County where we could um, jointly do something with with uh, another county that's neighboring to us um, and then go from there. But a lot of the things that we do would require 
um, might require legislation, so we'd have to talk to our delegation as well. Might require, it would certainly require talking to our county leadership because that's a construction issue and that's where our budget for that comes from, um, as well as then talking to uh, our, our own community. And then if we're talking about a regional center, we'd have to branch out and work with some other counties to talk to their communities. So it's a, it's a very big lift. I think uh, part of what stymied us um, over the last few years in terms of looking far forward and having those deep discussions that are going to require multiple meetings and maybe even a year or two long um, timeline is our struggle with our budget that sort of has made us focus on just uh, providing the um, programs that we currently have and uh, looking for cost savings and efficiencies that will uh, allow us to put more money back into the operating budget for schools and in classrooms rather than sort of the back office end of things. So that's kind of been the hyper focus for the last few years that I've been on the board. The county executive and the county council have been talking off and on about uh, how to handle school construction costs, including the possibility of having private partners involved. What have you thought about some of the ideas that have come up, and are there other ideas that are not being considered but should? Um, well, I am. I welcome any and all ideas, and I think that because uh, school construction is such a big uh, money ticket item that we're going to have to come up with a different model for how we or varied models of how we fund school construction so i was very excited uh, uh, councilman delauder brought up a, a public private partnership and an alternate financing um, plan that we couldn't really use for the next three um, construction projects in our cycle because we've already um, gotten um, funds together and a timeline together um, uh, from the state so, um, and we're on a very tight timeline for those. We've got a lot of uh, overcrowding pressures in those in the two elementary schools that we're looking to build. So, we didn't want to um, interrupt that timeline because we need those schools to open at a certain uh, school year. But certainly, we have a a long term um, uh, construction plan. And what I would be interested in are structural. Um, uh, solutions and funding sources that uh, would allow us to not have to worry about every single year coming up with where are we going to come up with these millions of dollars that puts us in a better place um, so that we have a long-term funding plan that allows us to um, anticipate the demand for new schools and new seats and at the same time allows us to make sure that our older facilities are renovated adequately and that are um, updated adequately. So I think it's going to take, I, I um, applaud the, the county executive, Jan Gardner, for putting together a funding commission at the state level. There's also a school construction commission. Um, we uh, I serve at the state level at our state association for school board members. We're regularly providing input to, to that state body. So I'm hoping that we'll be given uh, the opportunity to have a broad array of different kinds of funding and financing uh, programs because um, all of our, each of these construction projects can be certainly funded in many different ways. Have you seen a change in how this is being addressed at the state level under the Hogan administration versus the O'Malley administration? I think they're looking at uh, uh, 
the the difference in the Hogan administration is they they're looking at um, for for many years school construction because it's a public building was built to fifty year standards. Um, and the thought behind that was, you know, these, this, these are public dollars, we have to make them last, um, and we also don't have the replacement dollars to make sure that we're replacing something every 20 years. So, um, and, and that's what you'll hear, I think, from commercial builders, is we could certainly build these buildings cheaper, but not to the standard that the state would prefer because they are public dollars. Um, more recently, they've been looking at models uh, around commercial building and what can commercial buildings and the, the standards of those bring to the table in terms of helping us maybe with shorter term needs, uh, which worked out for Anne Arundel County. A commercial, a building built to commercial standards is helping them uh, alleviate the crowding in three schools for about 20 years while they um, pull together the funding for a, a larger school built to the, to the public uh, public school construction standards that exist currently. So I think that's been sort of, um, I, I think it's all open for discussion and we should be looking at all solutions. Um, but I, I will say that I would caution us because, again, you know, board members take very seriously that those are not our dollars. Those are public taxpayer dollars and that they, they're an investment. All of our buildings are an investment. But it could also be, and I haven't heard this at the state level, but maybe some discussion about maybe a school building has some multi-purpose functions so that they can extend the purpose of that building so that you can eliminate some other public buildings. Now, I'm not saying, I know we a few years ago we were talking about let's put libraries, public libraries in, in schools, but you know, we already do, I'm not advocating that, but we already do things like some of our schools function as um, recreation gyms for parks and rec, saving the parks and rec budget. Um, and and uh, adding to our, our school uh, in terms of benefits to the community and benefits to our students. So those kinds of, of um, extension, like we should probably extend that thinking and think of what other uh, possibilities we can have for um, these public buildings besides the uses that they already have. What do you think your role is in advocating for both capital and operating uh, funding? You know, I think the the common line is, you know, the Board of Education receives these money from funding sources, and that's it. Um, Is there any way to improve upon the budget other than pushing for more dollars from the local and state governments? Um, Well, you know, also what we do is we um, make sure that our budgets are as efficient as possible so that uh, we're not asking for as uh, increasing amounts of money every year. Um, I would also, on the construction side, maybe looking at models. I I, I mentioned this at the meeting last night. Um, We're in a situation now where we're growing in Frederick County, but then I look around at other counties, and the statewide projection is that actually our enrollment is going to shrink. Um, not just in the counties that that's already starting to happen, but here in Frederick ev- uh, eventually. I don't want our first response to be, uh, we're getting overcrowded over here, we need a new school, because uh, the flip side of that is 10 years from now, we're going to be under-enrolled possibly and then have some excess buildings and need to close schools, which is painful for a community. So maybe we need, need to start looking at different models of school buildings and have them be K through 8 so we can have an economy of scale of building you know, two school programs, a K through five and a, a middle school, um, not for the price of one, but uh, you'd certainly get some economies of scale going around there. Um, so those are the kinds of things boards can do, and they do that through looking at um, 
uh, we would have to look at our instructional model. Um, we would have to look at uh, what space is available to do that kind of facility in. Um, and it all, you know, our main concern, of course, not, is not the budget primarily. It's about instruction and the quality of instruction and how all of those affect instruction and kids' learning and student uh, teachers' ability to teach. Um, but so I think our role is uh, looking at these models that we're currently using and always asking ourselves, is this the best way to do things? Um, and to make sure that we're open to um, new ways to do things, um, creating efficiencies and saving money that way, partnering with other organizations, whether they're county government or whether they're private industry, um, community groups, to marshal all of our resources so that it's not just on the school system and on the school system's budget to do that. Um, and uh, not just asking for money. I mean, I, I think that advocating goes beyond going to Annapolis or talking to the county council and saying we need more money. It's really about working together towards some common goals and figuring out um, the best ways to reach those. The board has recently uh, taken some action to try to improve teacher salaries in the county. I know it's been an ongoing concern. Uh, I don't know if this is seen as the final solution, but what do you think of what you've done so far? And uh, do you think uh, this goes a long way toward addressing the, the teachers and their unions' concerns? Well, um, we are what I like to call um, people rich. Um, our budget is over 85% personnel. And that's because who delivers our product but teachers uh, in the classroom. And then all of those people that support uh, that optimal teaching environment, like school bus drivers and custodians and all of our administrators um, and support staff. So um, we have to make sure we have the highest quality staff um, and that we're competitive. Um, but we also have to make sure that our salary uh, level is, is sustainable over time. And the salary scale, which we just uh, negotiated with the Teachers uh, Association, is one that um, does several things that we wanted to do, and it's all linked to the strategic plan that we just completed last year. Um, one of which is, is to make sure that uh, the newest teachers, first-year teachers that are coming in, um, we are uh, not stymied by the fact that we're the last or the second to last in terms of um, the pay that you're going to make across the state as a starting teacher. We want to make sure we can recruit the best coming out of schools, and so we've that this new scale fixes that. Uh, we're competitive with our surrounding counties, and it puts us really right in the middle of the average uh, starting pay uh, in the state of Maryland. Um, the other issue was um, I want to help the teachers that love to teach and that should be in the classroom stay in the classroom. They shouldn't have to be looking around for some other opportunity um, out of the classroom in order to make sure that financially they have a sound future and they can pay their mortgage over time and then pay for their kids to go to college. If they're phenomenal classroom teachers, I want them to be able to stay in the classroom. And this um, scale allows them to do that and provide some other uh, incentives if they want to take a leadership position in their school, if they want to um, uh, do some other things that are professionally will develop them as well because I want to make sure that they have opportunities to grow in their profession. Um, but I still want them to do what they're strongest at and what they love most. And I think that, that the salary scale helps to do that. Um, it And it's sustainable over time. The cost of a 
one step increase every year was over $10 million. You can't realistically say your school budget is going to grow $10 million every year just for salaries and then other things that we'd like to do. Um, inflation is, is a, a factor. Um, so even though we might be saving costs and, and saving in terms of cost avoidance by getting efficiencies going, we still have inflation to deal with. Um, we still have um, uh, a salary that we need to make sure people are moving up along. And if that is taking too much of the increase every year, there's no new money to do um, some new initiatives, to improve instruction necessarily, get some new materials. Technology is a huge uh, cost. It, it, not only do you need to buy the equipment, you need to make sure you can replace the equipment, um, licensing, uh, as well as the staff to support all those folks using that technology. So uh, that new salary scale is going to help us to meet all of our other objectives um, beyond making sure that we have high-quality staff and are retaining and recruiting them well. So I'm, I'm very proud of that. And it was a very collaborative um, a very collaborative process between uh, the, the team from the Teachers Association as well as the team, uh, the board's team. Um, so I, I'm, I'm proud of that as well. You were endorsed by the Frederick County Teachers Association, the Teachers Union. What do you feel that their role should be, and do they take too much of a role in the school board election? I think that, I, I think that the, um, I don't want to hurt any teachers' feelings, but I think that the role of or the effect I guess of the teachers association endorsement has a a I don't want to say small but um, we don't have a lot of teachers I mean we have about 3,000 teachers um, and then their families I guess you could include but we do have a, a good amount of teachers and I don't know the percentage that don't live in Frederick County um, and uh, so uh, and then, of course, you've got people that come to the polls that say, oh, you know, teachers like these folks, I'm, abso yeah, I'm absolutely going to vote for them. So um, I won't say it has, it, it definitely has an effect. I think that maybe people um, attribute uh, a, a larger effect than it might have. I think that um, voters are pretty savvy and um, um, they're going to do their homework. Um, I think that the teacher's endorsement might help those voters that maybe are unaware. I mean, I run into them at the polls all the time, people that are unaware that the Board of Education is up this cycle, even though it's up every cycle, or who's running, or, oh, do we have a Board of Education? What do they do? It's one of the lesser-known races, one of the lesser-known offices. So I think it definitely has an impact on those voters. Um, but I wouldn't say it's, you know— it's going to turn the tide. And in fact, in the last election, if you look at the impact uh, that the teacher's endorsement had in 2014, uh, of their four candidates, um, only one was elected to the Board of Education. So um, I, I think it, it, uh, it definitely plays a role. I, I just am not sure how big of a role it plays. In the in school board elections, they're nonpartisan, but yet in, in this particular race, we're seeing some politics perhaps a little bit behind, below the surface, maybe not that far below, but uh, to the point where some candidates, democratically aligned, have even dropped out after winning the primary just to try to uh, go with a strategy of not having one particular candidate uh, win. 
Have you been part of these discussions, and do you believe this is a good strategy? Well, Lois German uh, definitely uh, made clear and public that her reason for dropping out was she wanted the, what, who she thought were the best candidates to win, um, and she felt um, uh, very strongly that one shouldn't. So I will say that um, Shirley MacDonald didn't uh, point to that as her um, reason for dropping out. I. We certainly did talk amongst ourselves. Um, we're mostly because we're aligned philosophically about a lot of things. So we found a lot to talk about in common with each other. Plus, we all, I mean, I did not know Lois uh, before running, uh, before her running, but I did know everybody else that's on the ballot. So, you know, you had that personal relationship going on as well. Um, the reason, uh, and I don't know if you all know this, but uh, recently um, Ken Kerr uh, and uh, Mike Benitsky and I decided we run a, we're not a slate, but we decided to run a collaborative campaign in which we would work together. Um, and we decided to do this because I'm not saying that, you know, we've been to forums and we've had discussions and we hear each other's opinions and there are certainly things that we do not align perfectly on and there are other things that we even disagree on. But um, my feeling, and I'm not going to speak for uh, Mr. Benitsky or, Mr. or Dr. Kerr, but I um, feel that each of them brings something to the board that we don't have currently. Um, for example, Mike Benitsky has decades in the school system, and he you know, started out as a classroom teacher, but he's also worked on the curriculum writing side. He's also uh, been an adjunct professor uh, at higher ed institutions. And what I uh, love about Mike's experience is he's fully committed to what I was talking about earlier is, is real-world student experiences. He was the coordinator for things like mock trial, um, model United Nations, student government, and that's where students can take their interests and their knowledge that they've got in the classroom and put that to use in sort of real-world situations and make things really happen, especially in student government when they're advocating in Annapolis um, or where recently our student member of the board advocated for a vote uh, on our Board of Education. Those are real uh, results for kids and make them excited about learning. Um, and then Dr. Kerr uh, started out as a, bus, a school bus driver, so I think that's a really uh, fabulous perspective to have on our board. Uh, worked in uh, classrooms as well, elementary school classrooms, and is currently uh, department chair over at Frederick Community College. I really think that we uh, would benefit greatly from a college higher educate uh, higher education perspective on our board that is also something that we don't have right now and um, it's getting so much more high stakes for kids with the cost of education going up um, certain uh, professions not paying as much as they used to so I would love for us to have you know Fred and I don't want to sound like college is the way for everybody you know Frederick Community College provides a lot of different avenues for kids whether it's a two-year um, a degree, whether it's uh, the path to certification for something, or whether it's a path to four-year college. There's a variety of avenues for Frederick Community College kids. I want to take that perspective and make sure that our program at the K-12 level is making sure kids are, are uh, able to take advantage of those opportunities in the higher ed realm. So you say you're not running as a slate, but a collaborative campaign. What does that actually look like? I mean, are you going to be fundraising together? We'll be doing uh, um, we'll be doing our own events. 
as well. Uh, but yes, we'll, we have a couple of events scheduled that we're uh, going to be there together. Um, we are, each have our own um, materials and our own signs and our own set of volunteers, but we will be doing um, combined signage, combined um, materials that sort of list all of us and what our unique um, uh, the unique things that bring what we're going to be bringing to the Board of Education. Um, so it's like running kind of two campaigns because we all, like I said, we don't always uh, align in terms of what uh, each of our opi- specific opinions are. But um, so there's not any pressure, say, for us to come up with one position on something. Um, we are free to say, yeah, Mr. Benitsky feels that. I don't disagree. I, d- I disagree with that. I feel this. But um, still, you know, even I-, I think folks that don't agree on everything are probably the best folks to bring together um, on a body that makes decisions. The more perspectives that you have at the table, um, they first of all, they bring different pieces of information. And um, and I think that's the strongest decision making body because you've got a lot of different folks uh, with a lot of different perspectives and eventually if you work hard at consensus, you're going to come to the best decision um, for all kids. If you were elected and Cindy Rose were elected, do you think it would be tough for you to work together? Have you thought about that? No, I'm very uh, – here's the thing, and I, and I will say Ms. Rose has been a longtime advocate for students and families, as I have. Um, this particular uh, – group of candidates, we've been really blessed because really all of them um, are longtime advocates of children and families. Um, they all have very extensive uh, experience with our school system, either on a professional level or as a parent um, or a volunteer or, or advocate or what have you. So I don't think we've ever been this blessed with people that have a deep uh, knowledge of the school system and students' needs. Um, and the community. So I'm really excited uh, that we have such a quality uh, slate of candidates. Um, We certainly have our differences. Um, I feel that the other two candidates that I've chosen to run with are, um, would bring um, a much uh, stronger um, group of assets to the board and therefore to our students. But I would be happy to serve with her. As I said, I think um, whether we agree on, you know, on, on everything or nothing, I, I think all of those perspectives are, are important to make sure that the decision that comes out at the end is the best for everybody. Um, and I'm, I've always been a collaborative and um, cooperative um, colleague, um, not just on this board, but every place I've, I've ever worked. And my interest is really, um, which I think was, is all our interests, is to make sure that we're providing um, the best possible education for all of Frederick County students. I think we are just about out of time. Um, please just give us an idea of where uh, the public can find out more information about you. Sure. Uh, website. So uh, my website is www.strongschools.info. Uh, and then I'm also on Facebook and Twitter, uh, Joy Schaefer for BOE. Great. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. This is enjoyable. In the Booth is produced by Graham Cullen, Chris Sands, Danielle Gaines, and me. Our theme music is courtesy of FMP reporter and rocker Kelsey Luce. If it's politics and it's Frederick, we hope you'll join us for the conversation in the booth.